0: I just want to take a few moments to put a powerful revelation in your spirit. I don't think I've shared this message since 2008, but God put it on my heart for you. I'm just going to give you a little highlight of it today, but it's all about supernatural multiplication, supernatural multiplication. You know, like Aletha said that I say it all the time, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Well, who is he, right? It's our Lord and Savior. We have Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead. Jesus released Holy Spirit so that he could live in us and around us as we receive him as Lord and Savior. Jesus is the embodiment of grace. He is grace. We are saved by grace through faith. Even Romans 5 proves that out through Scripture that Jesus is grace, that he is the second Adam that came to take care of and fix what the first Adam messed up. So I want you to say this, Jesus, say this, Jesus Jesus. is the embodiment of grace. Jesus Jesus. is the embodiment of grace. Why do I want you to get that? Because I don't want you to think grace is just simply a virtue. Virtue is energy power Power, energos uh, uh, power, it's power that transforms. It's power that transcends. It's, it, it's power that produces other power. And whenever we begin to understand virtue and it being the energos power, the power that produces other kinds of power, like powerful water can do what? We can We can create electricity right out of it. You know, you could take coal with the heat and the steam, and you could produce electricity. It's what is it? It's, it's one power enabling another power to be something it wasn't. Hmm. And when we realize what grace is, that grace is the embodiment of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the one that empowers us and did empower us, what? Whenever he released Holy Spirit, paracletos, to come live in us and around us that are born again children of God. Now, in that, Jesus did it on purpose. Everybody say on purpose. You see, He done if you want to know what God loves and what God hates, just follow Jesus around where it's written in red in your Bible, and that'll tell you what God loves and what God hates. Matthew's Gospel, 28, verses 19 and 20, is our marching orders. It says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Now, nations is not physical locations. The word nations, ethnos, means people groups. People groups. It says, and make disciples. Now, we know people groups are all over the world, right? But Ethnos is really talking about people groups. And, and as we begin to understand that. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. Say, all things. That I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. Say, always. Even to the end of this age. So what I want you to realize is these are Jesus' final words on planet Earth. His final marching orders to his disciples just before he was ascended in Acts chapter 1 into heaven. Notice that it's called the great commission. In other words, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Just like we are commanded to love, we are commanded to... For we are commanded not to kill, not to steal, right? Well, he commands us to co-partner with his mission. As we begin to understand that, God has always been concerned about quantity, all people, all nations. Jesus died for everyone, even those that reject him. He paid the price, died and rose again and became an embodiment of grace that they can receive by faith as they would confess his name and accept him as Lord and Savior. He's concerned about quantity, but he's also concerned about quality. Everybody say quality. What is quality? Quality is his true disciples. Quality is his true disciples. Quality is the ones that are the ones that carry his presence. Quality quality are the disciples that carry his anointing. Quality are the disciples that make other disciples. That's what we're on this planet for, not just to get a ticket to heaven, but as we're born again and filled with this Holy Spirit, now we're to be equipped by the capacity of grace that God has given us and increase that. Why? So we can make disciples of all people groups. Say, all people groups. So God is concerned about quantity, all nations. He's also concerned about quality. What's that? Making disciples and understanding all that he has taught and shared with us. If you look at the church today, the church as a whole, unfortunately, it's not really called the Great Commission. It's more like the Great Omission. (laughs) It's absent in most parts to reaching the world. Just like for the city it takes faith to do that. It takes people like you that give anyway. It takes people like you that are willing to get out and do what's extra and make what extra has to happen and to love your community and to serve people. It takes what? True disciples. Everybody say true disciples. In other words, you're quality disciples. You see, in the world, we realize that recent stats say that 2.2 billion people claim to be Christians. 2.2 billion. That number's went up. This is older stats. billion of these are classified as nominal Christian. Well, I don't know how you can be a nominal anything, a nominal Christian. In other words, that means their commitment is questionable. There's 6.7 people on the planet, and over 700 million are true great, great, uh, Great Commission Christians. Now, how do you identify a Great Commission Christian? They are the ones that are actively involved, in commissioning with Christ in his great commission through their documented giving, their praying, their sending, and their going. There should only be two types of Christians in any church. You're either sending or you're going. You're either sending or you're going, or you're doing both. But that's what we're here. We're not on this planet to sit still. We're on this planet to take over. I'll see you there I said, we're not on this planet to, to be passive. We're on this planet to take over. That's what he said in Genesis 1, when he created us in, our own, in his own image, in our own likeness, have recreated them, both male and female. What? To go forth, to subdue, to take charge, to take over and be in charge of the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and everything that creeps off the earth. He wanted them to go beyond the garden. What did he do? He wanted them to increase their capacity for the kingdom. Everybody say, increase Increase. my capacity. Now, as we look at this and we begin to realize that God has given great grace to fulfill his great commission. Acts 4, 32 and 33 says this, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common, and with great power, everybody say great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and what great grace was upon them all. Now look at this, and with great power, the apostles were able to do what they could do. Why? Because the multitude of those who were quality believers, disciples, were of one heart and one soul. That means they were in agreement. They weren't fighting against each other. As Stephanie says, there was no big elephant in the room, right? It, it, it's people with one heart, one accord to do God's purpose to live for Him because they had already died to themselves to live for Him and to do it unselfishly and together. And it said everything they possessed, all these things came in common. And then what happened? Once that got in alignment, and I sense right now, this is probably the greatest unity I can remember since maybe the first year that we started the church. That we're in right now in Bethel in this house. I really do. I believe that. I believe that's another reason you're seeing great grace poured out at these altars. I believe that's what you're seeing miracles, signs and wonders. Now the greatest miracle of all has got to happen at a a more accelerated rate. You know what the greatest miracle is? Salvation. Because that determines eternity. Healing and deliverance and freedom. That's all good. That's quality of life. And, and, and the length of life. But eternal life is the greatest gift of all when people receive eternal life. And that's not gonna happen to all of us who are in unity and we begin to illustrate God's great power and his great grace, right? And we, we become distributors of that grace. Hmm. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now look what happened. And, everybody say and. Once the, the quality disciples did what they were supposed to do. It released the office holders to do what they're supposed to do. Did what happened. Then great grace came on everyone. Say everyone. All of them. Great grace. Well, well what is grace? We've talked about that recently. What is, what is grace? Let's look at that for a second. We all know this one term, and it's one of the definitions, God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. Now, unless you really understand a true definition, a spiritual definition of, definition of favor, it just seems like a sentence out of a dictionary. But I don't have time to go into that. You've heard me preach about favor. Here's the definition I love. comes from Bishop Aboye, the number two person in the ministry that's over our covering under Bishop Oyedipo. And here's what he said grace is. Grace is divine Enabling, a divine enabling made manifest in a mortal person. Divine grace is a divine enabling made manifest in a mortal person. It's all, it's what is it? It's divine enabling. What's divine? Theos, Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So to begin to understand, and that's why anyone who operates at a high capacity of grace will minister with a sweatless anointing. Pastor Bill's going to be joining me. We're going to co-preach next week as we pray over our new members. We're going to have a ball. Pastor Bill Walton and Ben and him. We're going, to, we're going to tag team. You better look out. We're going to have fun next week. But he and I, we're like, Bishop Yedipo walks in a sweatless anointing, and we've been, man, we've been seeking it. I want a sweatless anointing. I want a sweatless anointing. I want Where it's no work on my behalf, I just show up and God shows out. Amen? Now, 1 Timothy, Paul said this, 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 14. I'm just setting you up here. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. Everybody say enabled. Because he counted me faithful. You see, it takes commitment on our end of the covenant to get what he has on his end of the covenant. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And the grace of our Lord. Remember, Jesus is the embodiment of grace. What is grace? The divine enabling, empowerment, ability of God working in you. Hmm. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly, what? Abundantly. Abundant. Exceedingly. Above measure. Above comprehension. Abundant. With, look now, with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Remember faith, hope, and love, and the greatest these is love. Paul talked about that in another place. Now we see uh, uh, we see faith, hope, we see faith, love, and grace. In, it's all in Christ Jesus. He is grace. Grace, look at this now. Grace enables the disabled. I said grace enables the disabled. This thing's on the or something. Grace enables the disabled. A disabled person is one that's at zero in their life. Maybe they've never come to Christ or maybe they've come to Christ and don't have the knowledge and they're living in pain or unforgiveness or sin, sickness, disease, whatever it is. When grace comes upon them, though, look what happens. They become enabled. Now, the word able is the root word for ability. So whenever we look at it, when God enables you, that means God ability. He gave ability to you. (laughs) Ability is the working of God. It's it's God is able able. We're able to do what? All things through who? Christ who strengthens us. We're what? We're able. Everybody say able. So what he says, you're able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Now he's saying, I want you to walk in enablement. In other words, empowerment. You're not just in a powerful service or a powerful relationship. You are power. You are able. You have the ability because of the grace in you, not because of you. Religion has uh, basically taken the power out of the body of Christ because religion, you know, says that you got to earn it. you got to have merit for it. Well, you couldn't earn your salvation. How are you going to earn anything else? A gift is a gift. Hmm. The unable is the one who perhaps could do something before. Someone that's unable is is someone who perhaps could do something before, but now they're in a critical situation. The pressure's on, the conditions are awful, and they cannot continue as they are. But when they're unable, God enables them too. And he strengthens them too. How does it come? It comes through grace. Paul said, furthermore, uh, for that, he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He counted him faithful, what? Because tr- Paul trusted God. So great, the great commission that you and I are to be doing and living out for God right now, what is it? That is our license to be enabled by God, releasing the ability of God in every situation and, uh, and every person that comes into contact with us. It's the kingdom role that we have to increase our, our capacity so that we can distribute God's grace, everybody says supernatural multiplication. So what I want to talk to you about the next few minutes is really, really important. It's very, very significant to you. And what is that, pastor? I'm going to talk to you about your capacity. What does that mean? That means the potential of something being filled. your capacity your capacity of volume, or your capacity of output, your capacity of strength. And then I'm gonna to talk to you not just about your capacity, but your distribution. You see, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. But if all you do is become a barn that nothing happens, all that capacity is gonna rot if you don't use it. That's why God wouldn't let the children of Israel mess up when he dropped mammon. If they didn't eat it that day, it spoiled because he wanted them dependent on him every day and realized their capacity was not what had fallen on the ground. Their capacity was what could come from heaven. Yes. Your capacity is not where you're at now. Your capacity is when heaven comes to earth in you and through you and is distributed to others. How much capacity does God have on this planet? Ever how much his faithful disciples can make room for Let me read you a scripture out of Matthew 14, beginning in verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there on a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out and, and he saw the great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. And the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Now, this is what religion does. Religion is not all bad. Religion is just kind of like having, you know, an order of habits and things we do. But Jesus also said in another place in the Gospels that religion is the thief of my power. In other words, when your methods and strategies come before my power and my truth, there are hindrance. And when you think about this, you know, Steph and I have been there four or five times at least, where Jesus would preach this message, and it's right by the Sea of Galilee or the Lake Gennesaret, whatever you want to call it. It's like a little small sea. And, and, And up on the hill now is the church beautiful. And down below is this huge valley. I have a picture of the basin of it in my office with Dr. Summerall preaching to hundreds of us up on the hill, but you couldn't see us. I just got a picture of him. But you could sit down there and 15,000 people could hear you speak because of the echo of the water behind you. And as you would speak, it would vibrate and go up to the mountaintop. So these numbers are very realistic it begins to talk about. Verse 16, but Jesus said to them, who? To the disciples. Say, there's always room. Say, there's always room to grow. There's always room for more capacity. I must make it to receive it. He'll give you all you can handle. He'll give you all you'll seek. He's no respecter of persons. But Jesus said to them, do not, they do not need to go away. He said, you give them something to eat. Ho, 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 ho. we're going to get to what their capacity was. Five loaves and two fishes. That's what, and it wasn't even theirs. There's a little boy. They took it from him. Maybe he probably sold it. But, but they knew their capacity. What? Give give them what, Jesus? He, he said, uh, and they said, we're here only with five loaves and two fish. But Jesus said, you give them something. Well, the only thing they had was five loaves and two fish. Now, if you read the rest of the story, you'll realize that there were 5,000 men plus their wives. So that's at least 10,000. Really, they had two or three, a lot of them. It could have been, 15,000, 20,000, plus their children could have been, there could have easily been 30,000 plus people there. And you give them something to eat. He didn't say, I'll, it'd be one if He said, don't worry, I got this. I'm gonna give them something to eat. Oh, he's Jesus. No, no. He said, wait a minute. It's time to grow up, boys. You give them something to eat. Say, it's time for me to serve the meal. It's time. For me to serve the meal. What is the meal? Salvation, deliverance, baptism of the Holy Spirit, power, anointing, unity, peace, love, hope, faith. You just got to make up whatever meal you need. That's what my mama did. She just like whatever's in the kitchen, she just scratched it together. They called it scratch and it was good, but it was scratched together. In other words, you're scratching the bottom of every jar and barrel and can and thing you had in your cupboard to get a meal for your family. That's why it's scratch biscuits. I want those homemade scratch biscuits? You wouldn't know what a scratch biscuit was if it slapped you upside your head. There's probably four or five of you do, so don't be mad at me. The rest you don't know. And Bob Evans is not a scratch biscuit. And Cracker Barrel is definitely not a scratch biscuit. And all the new little cool places are not. You know, was it Wild whatever and this and that and. Broken Egg, and name a place Broken Egg. That's like Dumb and Dumber. Anyway. Say he's meddling. He's heavy meddling preacher. He's meddling. Amen. I love you all too. So I'm trying to highlight this a little bit. I'll have to come back and really preach it to you, but I'm just kind of, I want you to get this revelation. The anointing is so strong. Um so as we see here so he said bring them to me what bring what you have in your hand like last week the little widow woman bring what you have in your hand and he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took five loaves and the fish and looking up to heaven he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 basketfuls of fragments that remained, and now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides their children. Now, wait a minute. He took five loaves of bread, people. Here, you guys on the front row, come on up here. Come on, y'all, here, y'all, come, over. come on up here. He took five loaves of bread. And he had, he had about at least 70 disciples there at one time. He had more than that at one time, but look at this. And he just said, he, what did he do? He broke it, and he blessed it. He broke it, and he blessed it. The blessing of God is ever-ending. The blessing of God can never cease. The blessing of God is never overdone or out of order, right? The blessing of God is, is supernatural multiplication of anything it touches. He broke it. He blessed it and he gave it. He broke it, he blessed it, and he gave it. He broke it, blessed it, gave it. Broke it, blessed it, gave it. Now, broke it, blessed it, gave it. He broke it, blessed it, gave it. Here, same thing, right? Broke it, blessed it, gave it. Now, you're the disciples. Now, go feed 30,000 people what you have in your hand. So, so here's the thing. They felt Like you all, except they know these people could kill them because they're going to get frustrated or hungry and you start to tease them with food. But you know what was so crazy? I would have loved to see the disciples' face. You imagine, thank you guys, you can be seated. Can you imagine what took place as they start? I'm going to take a little pinch off of that because, you know, there's not, I don't have five loaves. You know, it couldn't have been much. Maybe they got a piece that big. And they're going like, okay, that's all. That wouldn't even do one family. But all of a sudden, they kept, once they started looking at the people and serving the people, and then it was like, huh, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. and It just keeps going. And they're way back up the top of the hill toward the top of the valley, and it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. And they're like, now I don't even know what they did with it. now. Now they had 12 big barrels, and they The fragments for the people, there was so much left over that they picked up the fragments and they put it in barrels. Now look at this. There's revelation in that. So, So what was Jesus doing? They had a certain capacity to know and trust Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of grace. They had a certain capacity to trust grace. The enabling power of God. And they followed him. They gave their life. They risked their life. They served him. They loved him. You know, they fought for him. They did whatever they had to do. But that was just a piece of it. That was faithfulness. Now he said, what I'm going to do is increase your capacity. I mean, why do you think Peter's shadow healed the sick? He didn't do anything but walk out of his house. They waited. He'd walk down the street, and anybody that sat under his shadow was instantly healed. Now it didn't happen the first day out. But as he kept increasing his capacity to receive grace, he kept increasing his capacity. So Jesus was jump-starting their capacity. Now, he just found out John the Baptist was killed, and he just told him at the last feeding hole, said that there's been none greater than John the Baptist, no prophet greater than him that's ever lived. But the least of you will be greater than him. Everybody say, increase my capacity to receive grace. What is it? Divine enablement for God from God. Power that's not of this world. Wisdom that's not of this world. Strength that's not. Of, like when you hear me give like a word or not, I'll pray and I'll be talking to somebody and all of a sudden God will give me a few fragments of word out of their heart or mind. I don't know what it is. I just, I could be an idiot. I, I've missed it before and I'll say a few words and all of a sudden their whole soul opens up to me. Well, where's that come from? That comes from the mind of God. That's a gift that I can only operate when he allows me to operate in it. But it's his gift. It's part of his, the the Bible calls those nine gifts of spirit, the grace gifts. Because they're not our gifts, they're his gifts. And it works like that with faith. It works like that with anything that God wants to do in your life. But he's not just doing it for you. Say he's not just doing it for me. So as we see this, what's he doing? He wants these great commissioned Christians to be distribution centers of him. Why why do you think there was a big church split whenever he said, and he was doing communion, and he said, this is my body, eat it. This is my blood, drink it. And everybody left, but the very immediate apostles, I mean, disciples at that time, and they couldn't leave because everybody knew who they were anyway. (laughs) I bet if they could leave, they would have. People couldn't handle, eat my body and drink my blood. But Then what's he say? When we take Holy Communion, eat this and drink this, what? In remembrance of me. In other words, in remembrance of who enables you. In remembrance of who empowers you. In remembrance of of, of who uh, ordained and established you. Hmm. Verse 16, Jesus said to them, they do not need, need to go away. You give them something to eat. In essence, Jesus gave his disciples a definition for their kingdom roles. Here's your definition for your kingdom role. Here, here's God's will for your life. To increase your capacity of grace and become his distribution centers. Increase his, your capacity to receive his grace, his enablement, his power. What? To become distribution centers of what? Of his enabled power, of his grace, his creative power, his strength, his mighty power. Any kind of thing you, his grace, his grace could create food and bread already cooked and done instantly. His bread, his his grace could change the weather instantly. That same grace is available according to the level of capacity we have to receive it. Let's look real quick and at these other three little principles here for you. So if it's based on what I can distribute, it's based on the capacity I have to receive it. Once I receive the power, the grace of God, the enabling power of God, then it's up to me to do what? To distribute it. So here's the king, three kingdom principles of Distribution. Three kingdom principles of distribution. Principle number one, your capacity is multiplied when God breaks off your limitations. That's what Supernatural Sept- September is all about, breaking off your limitations. That's what's been going on here really since the, the last weekend of uh, August. What's God been doing? What Pastor Steph and Aletha and all them guys are doing, Aletha and them, well, they, they're breaking off your capacity. They're breaking off limitations off of your life. Limitations to receive healing and freedom and deliverance and love, right? Jesus was breaking the limitation on the loaves of bread. He demonstrated, what are you concerned about? Can you follow me? What are you concerned about? Where I send you? What are you concerned about? What I tell you to do and do it when I tell you? If you think you're limited, I've, I could do this with bread. How much more can I do with you? He illustrated an I say an animate object. That had to be created. And here's what's crazy. He said the way I want to increase this in your life, I'm going to let it be created in your hand. But it won't multiply till you distribute. And every time you distribute, I'm going to multiply. it. Every time you distribute, I'm going to multiply. It. Every time you distribute, it, I'm going to multiply. It. Every time you distribute, I'm going to multiply. it." So going out for the city is important. Going out with Brandon and those guys, you know, and, and the sex trafficking is important. Going out here with Miss Kathy and distributing food is important. Going out here with Terry and them and bringing furniture to people is important. Going out with David Mullins and, and those guys and, and, and heading out backpacks is important. All these things are important, and there's more than that that's important. It's, it, it's important on whatever you're willing to receive grace to expand the capacity to receive grace, enablement, power of God to do anything. Anything, anything that needs to be done at that moment. What is the greatest gift? The one you need at that moment. So Jesus was breaking the limitations of the loaves. He manifested the kingdom and it broke the limitation on the loaves to feed just one person. The limitation on those loaves was to feed that little boy. That's that little boy's lunch. That was the limitation. Those loaves could feed one little boy. That's his lunch. So they couldn't have been very big loaves. Jesus was about to demonstrate what? The kingdom of God knows no limitations. God knows no limitations. All we got to do is expand our capacity to receive his power, his grace, and be distributors of it. Religion is the only thing that can really, unbelief and religion are the only two things that can really limit your capacity. Unbelief and religion. And when you allow unbelief and a religion to get in your life, if you do get a little glory or a little blessing, you're going to hoard it up and keep it. And it's going to rust away like moth and rust and dust. It all takes it. When you get to heaven, you ain't going to have anything to show God. Religion does what? Attempts to limit your capacity of grace by saying you have to earn your breakthrough. I couldn't earn my salvation. How am I going to earn my breakthrough? That's why services like this flowing are so important. When the team is up here releasing the prophetic, the anointing, the spirit of prophecy and power, that's your time. Dive in. It's like when I preached to you a few weeks ago about the troubled water. The angel would come down in trouble and the one and if you could get in the water, the first one in got healed. Don't wait to be the 10th. Don't wait for people. Get yourself up here and get it. Dive. I don't care if you roll on the floor, run, jump, flip. I don't care. Just get it. Because God will not release greater grace on the house until it's distributed. So if we want to walk in a higher level of capacity of God's power and his grace, then we gotta be better distributors. Jesus, that's right. See, God's grace is freely available to all of us, right? He's, re- He's willing to remove any limitations on your capacity for grace. Principle number two. Your capacity is multiplied by when you increase the distribution flowing through your life. His capacity is multiplied when you increase the distribution flowing through your life. Remember, you hear me say it all the time. If he can't get it through you, he's not gonna get it to you. It's a kingdom of sowing and reaping. If I want my hand shook, I'm not gonna get it shook. if I, shaking if I don't hold it out, right? If I want tomato plants, I gotta sow tomato seeds. If I want apple trees, I gotta sow apple seeds. Whatever, the life is in the seed. Every seed has the assignment. Every seed has an assignment, whether it's a lily seed, a rose seed, whatever it is. Every seed has assignment. And the life of the seed is in it, but it cannot come forth until it's sown. You know what happens when it's it's sown? Whatever it's put in, the water, the oxygen, all that crushes the seed. And the life that was designed to come out of that seed or be distributed into our earth is opened up, and in the right soil and the right season and all that good stuff, what happens? That comes forth as, it's, as it was assigned to do from creation. We, we can make hybrid seeds, but we can't create seeds. We can put all kinds of seeds together and do cool things, but we can't, we can't make dogs and cats. Now, we can make different breeds by putting different breeds together and cool stuff, but, but nobody has a seed for a dog, only God does. You know where God's seeds come from? Remember the parable about, about where you sow? Some sow in the rocky places, some sow in good soil, some. Words are seeds. Because what God imagined, thought in his heart, felt in his heart and imagined in his mind, and once he released the words, they became seeds to create everything that's in front of you. Everybody say words are seeds. That's why he says out of your out of your belly, what you speak life, right? Out of your belly flows living waters, but your tongue is where you speak what—life and death—with it. In other words, you can speak life to bad seeds going on in your life, bad relationship, or you can speak good, or you can speak life to it instead of death. It's up to you. Now, what's interesting in another place of Bible it talks about when he set them out, he had them set them out in groups—some thirty, some fifty—different groups around. So as he set them in groups, what's interesting, uh, well, we see it Matthew, Mark 6 when he explained it, 38 and 39. Then he commanded them to make all of them sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. So isn't it interesting how Jesus, when he had them do it, he organized them in hundreds and in fifties because some of them's family was a hundred. By the time you went from grandfathers and wives and kids and all that stuff. Why did he do that? He didn't want the people scattered. He don't want to waste his seed. He want them connected. When they're connected, it's more powerful. When they're connected, there's more acceleration to the receiving capacity. Then enhances the sowing or the distribution. Each group had a different level of consumption capacity. Some were 50, some were 100, Right? And, and what happens is every one of us sit here with a different level of capacity to receive grace right now. You know, whenever we say, oh, it's supernatural September, I don't sweat about it because I know I can't do anything anyway. I just got to prepare my heart and show up. It's up to God. I can't do nothing. I can't save anybody, heal anybody. I can't do anything, and neither can you. You, you just got to increase your capacity to receive that grace that whenever God wants to release it, release it. And as you start releasing that there's so many of you, I've prayed, you got healing gifts, pr- prophetic gifts on your life. You don't use any of it. You say, well, when's the Lord going to use me? He, you've already let it spoil. You need to get back down on your knees and repent and get the anointing back on your life. Until you're praying for somebody, it's not going to manifest until you use it. It's not going to grow. Why does an attorney practice law? Why does a doctor practice medicine? Because they've never reached the pinnacle. They're always learning. They're always growing. But practice means you, you put it in action and use it. That's why you practice the gifts. How do I grow? Practice the gifts. Practice praying for people that are healed. Practice praying. Man, I, I know people that prayed for, I, I think Todd White said he prayed for almost 1,000 people before the first one was healed. How you. And then guess what? Now he's one of the great healing evangelists on the planet Earth. You see, see, it practice does make perfect or brings wholeness. Hmm. Each group had a capacity. Everyone in here, you have different levels of people and groups, and, and, and a lot of it is according to who you're attached to. When you're connected with other powerful people, your power, your, the power in you increases just by being in proximity. Proximity is power. Yes, it is. Now, Michael Avery is a great friend of mine. But if he wasn't a great friend of mine and just an acquaintance that I talked to twice a month when he served me, you would still think, man, he must be close to pastor. If I need to get a hold of a pastor, don't have his number, I could probably get over at that Avery guy. He could probably find a way to get me in contact. Because proximity is power. Well, it can work in the negative, but it also works in the positive. When you put yourself in proximity with people that have what you want, you want to prosper, don't stop hanging around from the broke people. Nothing wrong with broke people, just broke. Doesn't mean they're bad people. You want healed, stop hanging around sick people. Nothing wrong with sick people, they're just sick. You want to hang around faithless people, just hang around them, they just have no faith. But if you want to increase your capacity for healing, for prosperity, for deliverance, for power, hang around some people that's got something. They might not accept me. Well, you haven't accepted yourself. That's the problem. I love Dalton. You know, I love me. I really do. I love myself. I'd never hurt myself intentionally. I might get mad or angry and say, that was dumb, shouldn't have said that. But I still love myself. I take care of myself. I love my family. and I'd give my life for my wife or my son. I'd just give my life for them. Wouldn't even be a question. But that's part of what I love about me. See, you got to learn to love yourself. I don't love myself more than I love God. I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. But here's the thing: I can't even touch how much He loves me. His His love is so encompassing that I can't even imagine it, and we won't even have a glimpse of it till we get to heaven. But 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 confidence comes from what practicing reopening your capacity to receive grace. How's it come? Sowing seeds, sowing time, sowing money, sowing into relationship. You know what you need to do to broke people? Get yourself where you can help them uh, sow into their life to let them see if God can do it through you, he can do it through them, and now you can bless them and bring them out of poverty. You know what you can do to sick people? Go lay hands on them and get them healed. Get yourself free so you can set somebody free. All y'all know is set yourself free. Get on the bus, Gus. Don't be coy, Roy. Some old 60s song. That's about the only thing most church people know about freedom. Freedom is increasing your capacity. A power that's not from this world. Jesus, how should we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There ain't no broke people, tired people, angry people, sick people in heaven. Now, right now, I'd say buckle up, little buckaroo, but my wife get all over me. I quit that about 10 years ago. But sometimes we just got to buckle up, little buckaroo, and take it like a man, take it like a woman, and realize that I got to increase my capacity. You know, my mama, she increased my capacity of obedience, especially in the summer times. When she said, boy, go down to that creek bank and pick a switch out. I'm crying all the way because if I get one too good, it ain't going to wear out. If I get one that breaks, then... She's gonna make me get another one, and I gotta start all over. If I, you know, so you're like crying the whole time, and then you do that Indian dance. Ah, when well, she's holding your hand. But you know what she did? It didn't feel good, but it increased my my capacity to obey her. Whether by fear or not, I was obedient more than I was just because of that. I ain't got no switch out, but sometimes it might feel like it. But it's good. It's increasing your capacity for grace so you can obey the word of the Lord. So you can distribute what he puts you on this planet to distribute it. He's got things in you that no one else can get unless you release it. Let me give you a little illustration. We'll wrap up here. So we did the little bread thing. Let's do this little thing. Here you go. Anybody hungry? Here you go, Michael. Somebody's hungry out there. <clears throat> He's a Bengal fan. I knew he'd catch that, you know. So, uh, <clears throat> in the back. No. <laughs> uh, must have been a cowgirl. I mean cowboy fan. Okay. <laughs> and I know who y'all are, so just, you know. Y'all teased me for all these years, and now finally we're winners. Amen. Okay. So just like these cups here, each cup has a defined capacity, right? Each cup has a defined capacity. Man, I'm heavy meddler today, right? I'm just man, I'm throwing a heavy meddling preacher, meddling in everything. Anyway, you can forgive me. Maybe God's testing your forgiveness right now. <clears throat> so each one of these have a capacity. There's only two ways to increase this capacity or to expand it. Now, as we look at it, just like the little boy had his lows, right? But look at this. Here's the capacity of that cup. So now that I fill that one cup up, look what happens. So that's the capacity of that. That cup has its limit, right? But to break the limits of that cup, what have I got to do? That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, too. See, you overpour overport. Now, here's the other part of this, which is great revelation, And this is what distribution is about. Now that I've overflowed it, there's nowhere for it to go. It's just being wasted, right? So how am I going to have supernatural multiplication of that? Oh, like this. Okay, I just filled that up. Now what's God going to do for me? Oh, okay. Okay. Here you go. What's God going to do for me? If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And and look, God's never run out of anything there. So, Many of you have such great anointings on your life, healing, deliverance, winning people to the Lord, ministering to people. Many of you have, and you do it in this church, a lot of you help people that don't understand how to handle their finances, help them learn and grow in that. There's so many cool things. Business people have been growing in this church and other business leaders helping them and sharing their capacity that they've learned in business, right? But notice, as we begin to look at this, how important it is for us to distribute whatever grace God gives us. Whatever grace, if God gives you grace to, to, to hand out homeless backpacks, it, it, Miss Kathy's lived by that all these years. Back when we really didn't have the finances to help, we just started. And then she just believed. And, and, and she'd make sure she gave everything she had in the shelves away. And then by next Friday, she's still believing for more to come in and it would come in. But if she tried to hold half of it back just to wait to make sure, then only half would come in if that. Let me give you a final principle and we're going to pray. Everybody say supernatural. supernatural. Multiplication. Multiplication. Say supernatural. supernatural. September. September. That's what this is. Principle number three, to increase your capacity, right? When when your capacity and distribution are multiplied, it creates what? An acceleration of provision. When your capacity and distribution, so I increase my capacity, boom, I get my cup filled up with God's grace and power, and I distribute what I have. I come back, I do it over and over. Before long, I multiply myself over and over and over. And that means every time God fills me, I'm more mature, I'm more confident. I, I, I can handle more of His revelation and His word, right? What's it do then? Then it creates an acceleration of provision. So when we look at that, when you think about that little boy, right? When when they ate, and, and the Bible says when they ate and they were all full, all the people in the people groups were full. Of what according to their capacity? As a matter of fact, they were so full they were they weren't even hungry. They just threw it on the ground. They were done. I couldn't eat anymore. That's enough. But the word fragment doesn't mean waste. It means a piece of. The fragments weren't a waste. They were a piece. So what happens is the fragments were the remaining loaves. Let me see you. See, see, a lot of times you feel like, I've just given so much. I bet Brandon and Kemp was, oh, my God, what else can we do, Lord? We're out doing this, and we're out doing this. Or Miss Kathy and her team, or whoever, the worship team, we're sewing, we're, studying, we're getting ready. Everybody, oh, we're serving children's ministry, especially. They're giving, they're giving youth ministry. And, and it's like, oh, I feel empty. I just, gosh, I'm just, whew, man. But don't, don't ridicule the fragments in your life, because that's what remains, no, don't, 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 don't be critical of the fact that you feel like you're running on ministry fumes or love fumes or salvation fumes or grace fumes. No, don't, don't be critical about that. No, 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 no. Just remember, that's the, that's the lows that remain. And let me show you how powerful the fragments are. Those times you go out for the city and you minister. Those times, you know, you minister to people in the hospital or you, you minister to people at work, and you're just wore out. Minister to your family, your friend, and you're just, oh, oh, and it feels like there's just a little bit left for you. I, I just gave 95% of everything. I, I got a little 5% of a fragment. But look at the power of fragments. So it so says they had about 5,000 men plus women and children, let's just say 30,000 to be safe. So whenever they did this, they had the disciples go, the disciples did what? They went and picked up the remaining fragments and put it into 12 baskets. 12, after everybody was fed out of those five loaves, there was 12 basketfuls, 12 basketfuls of fragments of the loaves of bread. Now, scholars, many, there's been quite a few scholars that kind of did some kind of calculation and come up with this. And they said this, as they studied, studied this out in determined there were about, probably about 30 loaves in each of those baskets of that, that kid. And then if you take 30 times 12, that's 360 loaves. If you add the five they started with, that's 365 loaves of bread. This little boy sowed his five little loaves of bread to the multitude. And obviously he ate he was full too because there was fragments left over. Which means now the boy is receiving what Jesus said in Matthew 6:11. Give us this day our daily bread. And because the little boy sowed his little five loaves to his two fishes, now he has a loaf of bread for every day of the year, 365 loaves. God out of your increase of your capacity to receive, and as you distribute what you've received, now all of a sudden provision comes. Look at this. Provision comes to where it was not just enough for a day. Now it's enough for 365 days of bread for this little boy for his lunch. He sows one lunch, and the fragments that remain gave him what? 365 lunches because he sowed one lunch. I don't know if that works. I don't know. That's why you don't know. Because you're too busy judging or asking questions instead of just doing this and saying, teach me, Lord. We sowed, you've heard yourself, we sowed that seed $5,000. Uh, and Pastor Rod stood up and said, they sowed a $5,000, when he was praying for us to come here, they sowed a $5,000 seed, wrote a check for a church that doesn't exist and a bank account that doesn't exist for the church that doesn't exist. And then he started prophesying over us, provision, prosperity, and all that. And as we moved here and took our savings, we took everything, rented, signed over a $3,000 a month lease on a building that we didn't have a job now to rent from the dollars, put over $60,000 in it to get it ready for a church and threw our door open second week of February February 21st. Why February 21st? Because that's when the paint dried, and we need to get Sunday going so we could hopefully get a little bit of income coming in and grow, you know, start a church. That's how. Within that first year, 12 months of the church, over $500,000 came in in tithing offerings. $500,000 came in in tithing offerings. There was one $50,000 check that a family who owned a business that was going under they said, We prayed, the only thing we could figure out is, is that. We we won a lawsuit and we didn't tithe off of it, and the tithe would be fifty thousand dollars. We've scraped everything. They come. They said, "Will you come at our business pray with us? We will give you this check for the church." They sold that thing for tens of millions, well, probably over hundred million dollars, in about ten years. Later. Don't don't belittle your fragments. Do you know we've, not, we've we've had to fight and fight good good fight of faith this house and many of you miss Miss Gwen and others know we've had to believe for finances and all kinds of stuff for unity all kinds of stuff but when when you get to a certain capacity there's a level and this church never in twenty three years had has less than five hundred thousand dollars in income come in never. Churches are 50 years old and don't have that kind of money. With all kinds of wealthy people in them. I don't know how it happens. It just happens. All I know is we got to increase our capacity to receive. And all I know is as you sow, give your tithe, return it to God, and sow offerings, you're sowing into a hundredfold anointing on a house that's been there for 23 years. And God didn't just decide to anoint this little Bethel Harvest church over here in a bingo hall behind Daher's strip center that, that you know they don't have over there on Alexander Drive. He honored the capacity and the level of distribution Stephanie already and I already had revelation of that we were practicing before we started the church. So the church was blessed not because the church was blessed. The church was blessed because of the revelation and our capacity of grace and anointing to distrib- distribute what we had in our hands. And that set the church up for what is. Could you imagine if we all came together and began to sow and became to serve and began to love and began to win what God would do for us? Just like Monty's testimony. So powerful! Next week we got another testimony for you. It's so powerful. The, the the people come in, I'm so fired up about this whole group of new members coming in and yeah. their families. I mean, they're fired up, man. Yeah. Supernatural September. What's yeah. it about? It's about increasing your capacity to receive whatever kind of whatever grace needs to produce in your life. If he could produce bread with his grace, then he could produce whatever else you need. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Say supernatural, September. See, I was talking to you last week about a word. It's good to get a prophetic word from a prophet, Prophecies or from a man or woman of God. But boy, when God puts a word in your spirit, that's even more powerful. And I believe, how many of y'all, God's been dropping words in you this month? Just been just words about you and your calling and your anointing. See, everybody's called. If you're born again, you're called. We settled that, right? 2 Timothy 1.9. I don't even have to quote it to you again. See, and it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how long you've been in the kingdom or not. It just takes a willingness to say, here I am, Lord. What do you want me to have? We're so busy praying for something that's so small to God, and all he's saying, why are you praying for that car or that increase or, you know, that one of your children gets saved? When you could be praying for the grace to not only save your family, bless your family financially, but save your neighborhood. See, see, he's like, where's your revelation for your capacity? I'm not saying don't pray for your children. I'm saying do that and beyond. That, 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 that's the bottom baseline. That's not the pinnacle. When you make something, that's, that's the most important thing ever. That shows you where your face at. Because it's something small to God. I said it's something small to God. Hallelujah. Do you want to, to just, I, that's why I want to take time to put this revelation in you this morning. Now I'm telling you, our, our, is, it, when's our thing? November. You better clear your schedule. You, you're talking about, I'm going to release the vision God gave me almost 20 years ago about two streams coming together, integrity and faith in God's word a demonstration, manifestation of his glory. And every minister is going to minister on it with me. And you, if, you, if we minister on glory, I think glory's gonna show up. Do you? Clear your schedules. You know what it's called? Two streams. And we're gonna have it annually. Two streams. You can call it camp meeting, conference, whatever generation you're in, but two streams. So two streams gathering. And the first one is manifested glory of God. And that's what every one of us are gonna focus on. We're, we're not just gonna preach it and teach it we're going to lay hands, slap, kick, scream, cry, dance. If you're wearing a wig that day, make sure everything's strapped on. Especially you men. Amen. Just see it if you were awake. That's all. Just see it if you were awake. We'll probably have a tunnel of fire one night anyway brother. in honor of Brother Schambach. Yeah, hallelujah. If you don't know what that is, you won't know it till you see it. You want your capacity increased, just raise your hands right now. Say this with me. Father, I humble myself before you. I put your desires, your purpose, your wants, your passion before mine. Fill me, overflow me with your grace, grace to do your will, grace to overcome, Grace to empower, grace to heal, to save, to feel, to prosper, to deliver, to love, to pray. I receive it now, Father. Give me opportunity. No, not give me. Lord, I will take opportunity to distribute it because you gave it to me. In Jesus' name. Believe that. Give God a shout. Give God a shout. Hallelujah. Just like it does you no good to pray for faith. Faith doesn't come by praying. The Bible says very clearly, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. First is hearing, but a double annunciation tells us so. Faith comes by hearing, being where you can hear it, and hearing is talking about revelation. So you got to get a revelation of what you're hearing. Faith comes by hearing, and by hearing what? The Word of God. What is that? The bread of God, the bread of life, the seed of God, the seed of His Word. Now, let me give you a revelation. Don't ever pray again, God, use me. That's an insult to God if you're breathing and can move row talk or type you can do it. You start where you're at. Don't ever pray well God just open up a door. God puts you on this planet to kick doors down. He's in heaven. He's giving you the gra- he said I can't even give a cool drink of water in my name without you. You're his hands, you're his feet. You're His healing, you're His anointing, you're His power. You've got to increase your capacity of God's enablement, His power. The embodiment of Christ through the Holy Spirit in you. And you can speak to that mountain and it'll shake itself down into the sea.